This morning finds us back in the book of Romans, and as I've said before, I always approach the book of Romans on my knees. It scares me because I know I'm not able to unpack all that Paul and the Holy Spirit have packed into this marvelous book. In fact, uh, I'm sort of a little more um, ambitious than I can be. I've put verses 1 through 8, but we're only going to read verses 1 through 2 and only look at a portion of what those two verses say, put them to one particular interpretation and application. Let's be standing. This is the Word of God, spoken first to the uh, church in Rome, now to the church in San Angelo. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. May God bless the reading of His Word. picture of McKittrick Canyon. You don't have to talk to me very long before something about McKittrick Canyon will come up. I love that place. It's just a place where I like to go, especially as this picture is made in mid-October to November sometime where the maple trees are turning their different colors. It's just a great hike. It's kind of a rugged hike. If you take a full pack all the way up McKittrick Canyon, all the way up to the campground on the ridge, It'll work you out. Uh, two or three years ago, John Broadway and I decided we'd go up and make that hike up, spend the night up on top of the ridge. And we were getting our permit for the backcountry. You have to be, you know, get a permit to go back up in there. And we were in the office doing that and met another guy who was also going to make that trip. And as we began talking to him, he said he was taking his two teenage sons. They were going to go up McKittrick Canyon. But that wasn't all. That was only half the trip. They were going to go up McKittrick Canyon and then on around to another uh, campground. Well, I had attempted that hike several years ago when I was in pretty good hiking shape. It took me all day and half the night to do it. Well, I, I started looking at this guy and I could tell that he really wasn't a hiker. I mean, I don't want to go into details, but you can just look at the guy and say, this guy doesn't do a lot of hiking. And so I began, you know, I told him, you know, I tried that trip. In fact, I even went the other way, which is easier, and it just about killed me. And this guy was, we just, we were hurting so bad. It took us, we didn't get in until like two in the morning. And I did all I could to let him know that what he was trying to do was really not doable, especially in the shape that he was in. But he wasn't to be deterred. They took out ahead of us and about halfway up the ridge, John and I passed them. They were sitting down. And then we got onto our camp and we made camp, and, which was going to be his halfway point. They got in about 11 that night, dragging him along. And then the next morning, we all had to help him back down. 
He had a great idea. He wanted to do something really exciting and just really push himself. But the problem was he just wasn't in shape to do it. And and our physical bodies really determine a lot of what we can do. They draw boundaries for us. And and how well our bodies are functioning and how good a shape we're in really determines what we can do. For example, most of you I could say, hey, let's go eat dinner. And most of us in this room today are in shape to go to the restaurant and eat dinner, right? Okay. However, I say, hey, guys, why don't we get up tomorrow and go run a marathon? Well, that's going to limit the number of people in this room. I got Jim Thorpe up there. He could do it. You know, there's some people in here who could do it. I couldn't. Our bodies draw boundaries. And no matter what our mind wants to do, if we haven't gotten our bodies into shape to do that, it's not going to happen. Well, the same thing is true about our spiritual nature. You know, there are so many things that we want to be spiritually. And the very fact that you are here today tells us that you are interested in your spiritual side. And and there are so many things that you would love to be able to accomplish and love to do. But for most of them, you got to really be in shape. We all want to be able to handle times of crisis with the peace and the calmness and the assurance that God is with us and that God will get us through this time of crisis. But when those times of crisis come, if we have not gotten into shape spiritually, we may not have the resources to do that. There are times in our lives when we are faced with great temptations. Most of us have at least one or two things that that constantly pull on us. And we want to be able to conquer those temptations. Well, if we haven't gotten ourselves into shape spiritually to do that, those temptations can sneak up on us. Like a big dog, if you were here last week. Or maybe it's that we just want to have that high. You know, the kids went to camp a few weeks ago, and most of us have been on retreats, and we've been to to experiences where we just feel so good and so close to God and so close to one another, and we think, you know, I want to live my life this way. I want to feel this way more often. But our souls are not in shape for that. We haven't conditioned them. We're really not ready. Now, Paul talks about this many times in Scripture. He mentions several times that if you really want to live your life spiritually and experiencing the salvation that God has given to you, well, you're going to have to get in shape to do that. Now, he's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about the fact that you've got to really work hard to be saved. But what he's talking about is if you're really going to have to put your mind to it and your soul to it, if you want to be able to live your life on this level and this plane. For example, one passage is 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, where he says, train yourself in godliness. You know, go to the gym, work out. Train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, you know, Paul would tell you, hey, you need to keep your physical bodies in shape too, because that's of some value. However... It is godliness that is valuable in every way. 
And why is that? Why is godliness even more valuable than physical exercise? Why is having our soul worked into shape more valuable than even having our bodies worked into shape? Well, for this reason, he says, because it holds promise for both the present life and the life to come. No matter how hard you work on this body, it's only going to last you at best 90 years. I know some of you younger folks, it may be 100 by the time you get there. But eventually, no matter how hard you work, this body is going to fail. Your spirit, your soul, when you get it into shape, it stays in shape not only to get you through this life, but for eternity as well. This passage that we looked at here in Romans, it functions on so many levels, but I think on one level it also tells us this same idea, that we need to be in shape spiritually. And not only does it tell us to be in shape spiritually, it gives us a couple of training tips on how to get that way. So let's read it once again. It starts out with the word therefore. Anyone know what the word therefore means? Therefore means stop. You can't read any further until you stop and think about what came before that. Because obviously the author here, Paul, is about to tell us something that's based on what he's already said. He said all these things, and now since you've heard all these things, therefore, well, let's stop and go. So if you've got about three or four hours, we're going to work our way through the book of Romans. Chapters 1 through, no, I won't do that to you. Let me just give you a couple of points that appear in Romans 1 through 11. One is that Paul says, starts out the book by telling us everyone's a sinner. Anyone that tells you that they haven't messed up, they're lying. You've all sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. And in doing that, you have become spiritually damaged. You have hurt your soul. In fact, your soul dies because of sin. But then he goes on to say, in Jesus, God has acted to bring us back to life, to restore us, to make peace with us. In that marvelous fifth chapter, he talks about while we were yet enemies with God, Christ died for us. And therefore, because of our faith and because of God's action, we have been put back into a relationship with God. And then in chapters 9 through 11, he really works on the problem of Israel and, 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 and the Gentiles and all of that. But he ends that chapter with three wonderful questions. And, and I love these questions. He, he gets them out of the book of Isaiah and the book of Job. Let's ask ourselves these questions. Who can understand God? No hands. Hmm. Good for you. You know, occasionally I talk to someone who's giving up on faith because they can't understand some things about God. <laughs> and it almost makes me smile. I think, well, you know, that's what faith is all about. Do you want to serve a God you can understand? I don't want to serve a God that I can wrap my mind totally around. I need someone bigger than that to be my God. And so he asked the question, who among you can totally understand God? Second question is a little more convicting. It says, and who is smart enough to give advice to God? I try this often. I do. I tell God what's wrong and what he needs to do about it. Anyone else ever tried that before? Yeah. Get a little frustrated because God's not following your plan of action that you set out for him. 
But, but stop and realize sometimes, you know, that, that I'm not that, that, that smart. I, I can't really give advice to God to how to run the universe and how to run the world. And the third question he asks is, and who can give God enough so that God is now obligated to give you something back? Boy, I try that one a lot. You know, if I go to church enough, God will give me what I want. If I give a little more in the offering plate, maybe God will give me a little more. Make deals with God quite often in our hearts, don't we? That if I give him this, he'll give me that. Paul says none of these things work. However, God is at work in our lives. Therefore, because we have rebelled, because God has brought us back to him, And because we continue to push against him and mess up in the way that we live, therefore, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's your training tip. Do you see it? It's not right here. This is the one that we often think is the training tip right here. That we are supposed to work real hard to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Now, Paul is writing to Jewish people and to Gentile people. And both of these groups, when they worshiped God, they knew what sacrifice was all about. They had to take animals and sacrifice them, whether it's in Judaism or in the pagan religions of the Gentile world. And Paul says, no, no, no. In our religion, you give yourself as a sacrifice. And it's a living sacrifice. In other words, what you're doing is offering yourself to God to be used for His purposes. Here I am, God. Use me. Wouldn't it be great if God decided He needed something really big done and He called you to do it? Don't you just dream of that? Uh, That God is going to use you? And, And many times you see that He uses you, and maybe even in small ways. And you're always so grateful anytime God has decided that you are useful for Him. And that you can, He can do something through you. However, for that to happen, you gotta be in shape. You gotta be spiritually conditioned. You've gotta already be ready to go. So that God can tap you on the shoulder and says, I've got something over here that needs to be done. So that he can put you into someone's life or into a situation right at the place where he needs his word spoken. Or a good example of of who uh, he is and who his people are. He wants to put you there, but he has to use people that are in good spiritual shape to do that. So if that's not the training tip, if that's the goal of where we want to be, well, how do we get there? Well, it's in the line right before that. By the mercies of God. We are put into shape when we allow the mercies of God to be effective in our lives. It is when we begin to realize that even though we have messed up, even though we are not who we want to be, that God has poured his mercy and his grace into our lives. Now, by saying that, I need to give a couple of definitions because we often say grace and mercy together. And if you get nothing else out of this lesson today, I hope you see the difference between these two. What is grace? What is the grace of God? 
Well, the grace of God is when he gives you something that you don't deserve to get. For example, salvation. You don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. He gives it to us as a gift. That is his grace. Well, if that is grace, what is mercy? Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. The fact that God holds back. That song is, just haunts me that we've just started singing here in the last few months. Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. That's mercy. The fact that God has held on to you through all this roller coaster ride that you've taken him on. Through your good times, through your bad times. Through your promises that you're going to be better, that you're going to do this. And through the times that you say, I don't care. He stayed with you through all of that. And he keeps pouring his mercy into your life and not giving you what that kind of lifestyle really deserves. And when we began to accept that this is who God is, that he is pouring his mercy into our lives, it changes us, it reshapes us, it gets us into shape to be effective for him. I want to give you, let's first of all look at what happens if you don't care about the mercies of God. If you spend no time thinking about how merciful God is to you, well then your life, your soul is going to be shaped by sin or it's going to be out of shape. So what does an out of shape soul look like? Well, we could list a lot of things. Let me give you some ideas so that you can identify when you run into someone who's got a shapeless soul or an out of shape soul, you'll know. One thing is they're very critical of themselves. You know, if you don't really understand the mercy of God, then you begin to think of yourself as being less than you need to be, not acceptable to God, and you get down on yourself. And the partner to that is you're critical of others. If you've ever been around, have you ever been around someone that they don't really have anything nice to say about anyone else, and they're always pointing out the faults of other people, all right? Well, there's two things going on there. One is if they're pointing out the faults of other people, they're also thinking of every fault of themselves. If they don't like other people, they don't like themselves either. You know, those two things go together. And the second thing that's happening there is that they have a soul that has not yet been shaped by the mercies of God. They haven't gotten it yet that God is merciful to them. A couple of other things that you notice about this kind of soul is that they can be a hopeless person. Like, you know, there's no use. It's never going to work. Or they can go to the other extreme and be frantic, always searching for something that will work, always looking for something new, always trying to find some experience, something that will fill that void in their lives. Well, we could talk some more about this, but I, I think that sort of gives you a little clue as to how you can identify when you run into someone who's out of shape spiritually. Or maybe you want to look in the mirror. And ask yourself, am I out of shape spiritually? What happens when the mercies of God begin to reshape us and reform us? Well, you're going to notice some things. One, you're going to be filled with an awareness of God's love and his acceptance. You're just going to be good with God. You're going to know that he's on your side, that he loves you, that he's taking care of you. 
Now, this isn't ignoring your problems and what else is going on in your life, but just a realization that God is a merciful God. In other words, you're going to be at peace with God. And I tell you, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 5 at the very first as one of the greatest gifts you can ever have. Sometimes, you know, people that don't know what a great gift to be at peace with God is haven't yet experienced the peace of God. (laughs) Because once you get that, once you receive what it means and function in a way that realizes I'm at peace with God, things are okay between me and him, then it's something you don't want to ever lose. It's a gift you don't want to ever lose. And finally, the third thing is they're able to love and accept others mercifully. A person who's received mercy gives mercy. Remember the story of the unforgiving servant where the guy was forgiven of a great big debt and yet it, it all came back down on him because he didn't learn that you go out then and forgive others? You can tell if your soul is in shape whether or not you're able to embrace others with their faults and love them when they let you down and hold on to them when they're pushing you away. When you can give mercy too, then truly the mercy of God is active in your life as well. Well, the mercy workout, how do we get it? Well, I've just got a couple of things I want to throw out here and we've got to move on. But, but one thing is, you just you've got to read the Scripture. If you want the mercies of God to really shape your life and get your soul into shape, just pick up your New Testament in particular. You can read the Old too, but in the New, it's just on every page. It's there, it's there, it's there. And you can't read long until God's love and mercy just are, 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 are burned into your heart and into your mind and becomes the reality out of which you live. It, being a daily Bible reader, that, that's not one of the things like we were talking about before where you're going to do something so that God has to give you something. It, it's so that His mercy can work on you and can shape you and change you. And the second thing is close to that is prayer. You know, it doesn't take me long to give God my order list for the day. Yeah, okay, here's what I need today. I need you to go with me and do this. I want you to bless this person and be with this. And so-and-so is sick, and I want you to bless this. It doesn't take me long to do that. But if I want prayer to be more than me talking to God, if I want prayer to be that time in which God, I've made myself available to Him so that He can work with me. You know, the reason you need to spend good amount of time in prayer every day is so that you're in the presence of God and His mercies become real to you. If, if, if the whole time you're in prayer, you're sitting there talking to God, then prayer's not working for you. <laughs> because when is he going to speak to you? When is he going to change your heart as well? So prayer is all about spending that time with him. And I guarantee you, I promise you, that God is alive. And that whenever you begin talking to him and you open your heart to him, he is there with you. And if you will let him be there with you, it will change your heart. That's a promise. And the mercies of God begin shaping you and changing you. One thing I've learned theologically but more experientially is that God rarely interrupts me. He rarely taps me on the shoulder and says, Tommy, I I need to spend some time with you. But every time I sit down and say, God, I want to give this next 30 minutes to you, he's there and he works. And if that's the workout so that the mercies of God begin to change our lives. We've got to hurry on. I'm almost out of time. The next tip is also a part of that. Let's look at that. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be shaped by this world, but be reshaped. See, I told you I wasn't making all this stuff up. It's right there. But don't be shaped by this world, but be reshaped by what? 
by the renewing of your minds, by letting the mercies of God change your mind. Well, how do we do this? He's going to give us some more advice here by the renewing of our minds. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 talks about how God saved us according to his mercy. Are y'all picking up some themes here that there's some of this language just keep going? God saved us according to his mercy through the water of rebirth, through baptism. That is the first step in the first reaching out to God to come into my life and change me. And then the second step is, and by renewal by the Holy Spirit, that this is something that happens to you by the gift of God's Holy Spirit within your life. Well, how do we get that? Luke 11, chapter 9 through 13 talks about this. That, that, remember that verse where it says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Do you know what he's talking about there? What are we supposed to ask for? What are we supposed to seek? What are we supposed to be, be finding? And what, what are we supposed to be knocking on the door for? Do you know? Let's keep reading the verse. He goes on to say, you know, if, you as a, if your child comes to you and asks for something, you're going to give him what he needs. Remember that part of the verse as well? Well, now let's skip down and read the last part of the verse. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? Can you quote it? Oh, we need to. The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God is just waiting to bless us with a soul that is in shape and ready to meet the challenges of this life. The beginning of this new school year, guys, guys, you know, this is a great challenge. And to allow God to play a part in getting us into shape and His mercies working us out and pushing us to be open to the work of His Spirit, spending time in His Word, spending time before Him on our knees in prayer so that He can shape us and get us into spiritual condition to meet the challenges that lie before us. There's a payoff to all of this, by the way. You know, if you get yourself in shape physically, you can go see scenery like this, you know. You can walk up those trails you can look out over the, the beautiful trees, and oh, it's just gorgeous. And it's all because of the blessing that you got yourself in shape. Well, what happens if you get yourself into shape spiritually? Well, let's read the last part of the verse, Romans 12, 2b. So that, why are we allowing the mercies of God and the Holy Spirit to change our lives? You may discern what the will of God is. Any of you want to know what God wants you to do? Well, I'm sorry, you're not going to find out in the first five minutes of your Christian life. You're going to find out as you get into shape spiritually. As the mercies of God change your life, as you offer your body as a living sacrifice, as you seek the renewing of your mind through His Holy Spirit, then you'll know. You'll know what the will of God is, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. Now, that's an offer that you got to want, to know what God wants from you and let him get you in shape to hear it and to see it. Let's stand and sing.